Hi, this is Jean-Jacques Taylor, and you're listening to Jock Talk. This is a podcast where I talk about the Cowboys, the team I've covered as a beat writer, columnist, TV insider, and radio host for 28 years. I'll also talk about the NFL and the things I love, working out, streaming, food, and all things Dallas. My boy, Big Joe and the Big Rig, one of my oldest friends, produces the show and occasionally chimes in with his thoughts on the Cowboys. After all, he's a lifelong Cowboys fan, and he played high school, college, and semi-pro football. Welcome to Jock Talk, where sports is fluid. What's true today might not be true an hour, a day, or a month from now. I'm going to give you the truth straight. No chaser. Glad to have you aboard. Let's get it. Welcome to episode 55 of Shock Talk, my friend. I'm Jean-Jacques Taylor, joined by my boy, Big Joe the Big Rig. Hope you are prepared to be entertained and dazzled for the next hour or so as we break down the Cowboys, a few things going on in the sports world, and take a quick trip around the block. What up, Doc? What's up? How y'all doing today? Hey, um, who is y'all? Everybody. Oh, everybody out there in podcast land? Yeah. I'm sorry. I should have thought about that. It's all good, man. It's all good. I have a, uh, I have a, I'm not a guy who shaves very often. Like some of my friends got to shave every day. Uh, I really didn't even start shaving until probably college, man. Which is weird because my son has been, I mean, he can grow a full beard if he felt like it. Uh, the only reason I'm bringing this up is, so I haven't shaved in probably three or four days. You guys probably can't even notice but I got this one hair bump that's oh driving goodness. me nuts. And so I can't really, I don't know how people who shave all the time, especially if you're black and you get ingrown hairs and you get hair bumps. I don't know how y'all deal with it because it literally drives me crazy. And this is just one little bump. And it's just, it's the most aggravating thing all day long. So I'm sorry I had to start with that. But just as we started the show, it started aggravating me. And so I, because we family, I felt like I had to tell y'all. Yeah, you we, got hair bumps, bro? We had to know that. Hey, man, you have to share with your people, dog. Uh, not everything. Something, man, you know, people care, man. Not everything. I mean, I mean you know, like I shared, uh, I shared my, my problem with my, uh, with my flat tire the other day, and uh, my man Hector sent me a low-price generator, Hector Flores, a low-price generator I could get uh, from Home Depot for $39. So... When you share these things, now somebody will offer me some shaving cream products that I can use to get rid of these hair bumps. So All you right. never know, man. Yeah, you never know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but you never know. All right, then. Hey, it's all good, man. Let we share see, because on. we care. That's two minutes and 43 seconds I can't get back. All right, then. You know what, man? That's, that's uncalled for. Uh, you can always find me on Twitter, at JJT Journalist. I am Jean-Jacques Taylor is the handle. Uh, I always like to tell y'all, if you're involved in a car accident or any type of negligence, that's not your fault. The least you're getting hurt, what you need to do is pick up the phone and call 972-934-8900. It's the good folks at Green and Law. And what you do is you pick up the phone, you call me, say, here's my situation. What do you think? And I'm telling you, if they bring you on as a client, it's been a great day for you. Real talk. Because they will walk you through... Especially if you haven't done it before, that thing can be intimidating. It can be scary. Uh, it can be tedious, uh, time-consuming. Um, all of those things. Well, Greening Law walks you through the process. They tell you, "Hey, this is where we need to take a left right here. This is when we need to take a right. Here's when we need to slow down. Here's when we need to stay still. All of those things, so that you can get through the process. Um, if you need a doctor, 
they can find you one. If you need a specialist, they can find you one of those too. Why? They want you focused on two things and two things only. Healing and renewal. Get your mind right, get your body right, get your life back. That's really what they want you focused on. So they literally take care of every single solitary thing else. Now, what you got to understand, when you pick up the phone, you make that call, 972-934-8900, don't cost you nothing. Zero, zip, zilch, nada. They don't get paid unless you get paid. Do you hear that? They don't get paid unless you get paid. Sound like a win-win to me. So, focus on healing, focus on renewal, focus on getting your mind right, your body right, getting your life back. Let Green and Law take care of everything else. Now, I like to tell y'all, real talk, you ain't got to take my word for nothing, all right? You can go to greenandlaw.com, check out the website, see the good work that Robert Green is doing in the community, see what his clients have to say about him, see the awards that they've won. The list is long, all right? And then decide for yourself. I want somebody representing me. I might just need to pick up that phone, 972-934-8900, dial the number, and let Green and Law go to work for me. Big news in the sports world, dog. Huge news. And this is the way the world works these days, man. I was driving home from the Star yesterday, uh, having been in the Cowboys locker room and done uh, the Media Match podcast, which you can find every uh, Wednesday and Thursday on Dallas Cowboys Radio. And I hadn't gotten on the highway yet because uh, we I take the tollway home. So I'm at that light at 121 right before you get on the tollway. I'm checking Twitter. Nick Saban retires. I'm like, whoa. Then I get up this morning. I'm at the gym. Bill Belichick out. Whoa. And I'm just like, well, damn, that's a double dose. Two of the greatest coaches ever, one in college, one in the NFL, both, I believe, 71, both out the game, gone. And uh, it's, uh, it's a really interesting thing to me. Uh, you know, I, I think, uh, what, uh, what was your reaction when you heard Nick Saban was gone? I thought uh, <clears throat> NIL, collective transfer portal. Bruh, I thought the same thing. I'm like, I thought like, Nick is probably sitting at the crib talking to Miss Terry like, I got, what is it, six national championships, all these games, won all these games. Now I got to put up with this where you don't just have to recruit a kid two or three years but get him on campus. Now you basically got to recruit him every day that he's on campus. And now somebody come in my office, hey, Coach Saban, uh, Billy Bob uh, is making $200,000 a year and I'm making one hundred and fifty, but I'm starting these last three games and he not. Can I get a raise up to two hundred and fifty? So I'm making more than him. And you got agents called. I think you're right, man. I think Nick was just like, you know what? I don't need this in my life right now. And I think he bounced. Uh, what? And we're gonna get back to Nick Saban in a minute. What'd you think of it when you heard uh, Belichick had? had uh, I guess him and Kraft decided to mutually part ways. I'm surprised they didn't trade him. I'm surprised they didn't work out. If he still want a coach, I'm surprised they didn't try to trade him somewhere or get him a place of land. I, I don't know. Uh, sometimes uh, the the league get away from you. You know, remember Joe Gibbs left and came back. You know, right. I think you got to stay in the game to stay up with the game. So if Belichick going gonna have any inkling of coaching in the future, I think he better get a job now because it don't always work when you leave and come back. 
You know, it's incredibly hard to get back when you leave and come back. Now, you said something interesting. Do you think the game has passed Bill Belichick by? No, but personnel means a lot. You know, um, what they say, the quarter, the, the most important relationship to to the NFL coach is uh, between the quarterback and the coach. When you don't have a quarterback, when you don't have something to base it on, you know, I think the personnel part has passed him by. I think I buy that. The G, he need a GM, you know, that he can work with. We Dude. always talked about that with, with uh when you covered Parcells, he didn't have a GM. And he had all them what if guys like what if he gets mean? What if he understands? What if they flip the switch? Well, you need to have that detachment from the GM right. where you go, "Hey, go get me a defense tackle. Oh, he sucked. Go get me another one." Right? You know. Right. That's, um <clears throat> that's actually the beauty of Will McClay. I mean, he's vice president of player personnel or whatever, but he's really the de facto GM. And uh, what he does best is that he says, hey, Joe, what, uh, what type of defensive line you want? And you tell him, I want them 6'4 between, you know, 295 and 3'10 if they're three technique, 330 or more if they're nose tackle, blah, 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 blah. I want them to have this kind of long arms. I want them to play with this kind of motor. And he put all that down, and then that's what he bring you. And then from that people, that group of guys that he bring you, then you can pick the ones that you like. But you not what he's not going to do is say, "Hey, coach, I know you said this, but this guy over here, I think you like it." Now he really brings the groceries that you like, and then he lets you pick from those groceries in terms of um, you know who you want on the roster and all of that. And so I think the hard part, man, and we're going to get back to Saban in a minute, is if you hire Bill Bill uh, Belichick. You put him with a GM, you know, it's got to be a GM that he can't run over so that he's really the de facto GM. That makes sense to you? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Like, you got to have somebody who can say, Bill, I love you, dog, but you full of poop. This is, I mean, come on, man. You got to have that kind of relationship with him. You just can't be, you can't have a GM, even if he knows him, who says, okay, Bill, you know, we'll, yeah, we'll go your way this way. You got to, it's got to be somebody who he respects, somebody who will back bite back at him, and uh, somebody who can help put a roster together. Because when I look at the Patriots, and I was, looking at the, I was looking at their scores, like I don't have any doubt that he can, be, he can still be a hell of a defensive coach. Because the Patriots' defense, for the most part, played pretty good this year, especially when you consider their offense gave them nothing. Um, but it's, uh, you know, but it's a team. It's not just the defense. Your whole team got to work. And he destroyed Mac Jones. Uh, with the moves he made last year, Mac Jones was 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 non. I mean, he was just awful this year, and I put a lot of that blame on Belichick. So wherever he goes, and I think he'll go somewhere, and uh, I think they didn't trade him. This is just my opinion. Is because he had done so much for the organization, they were just like, you know what, duh. Hey, if we can't reach an agreement, hey, go find go find a spot you want to go to. Uh, we're not gonna put no no conditions on it. You've done enough for the organization. Uh, we'll pay you back by letting you go. And, uh, and pick your own landing spot. Um, now, as we move back to Alabama, who do you do you want? Do you want the Nick Saban job? You want Alabama job? No, nah, I don't want it because you you following a legend, and it's a lot of expectations over there. Uh, every time somebody follows a legend, you know it's, it's kind of hard to do. Let me let me let me let me jump back to. Parcells, I mean, not Parcells, but Belichick, just for a second. 
Um, when has uh, GM slash coach ever worked in the NFL? They always want it. They always want both jobs. Yeah, they but always it, want the power so that they can make the ultimate decision yeah. so that if, if I win or lose, it's on me. It don't all. I, I can't think of a time where it really worked. I remember uh, Jimmy told David Wanstead, hey, if you get the Bears job, make sure you the GM and the coach. And that didn't work out at all for for once that, you know. And I, I just don't – I can't I, – as I, much as I've studied NFL, I can't think of a time where the coach being the GM ever worked. Well, it may have worked some in the past, but the where? job is – Where? I don't know because I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about it. Um, I can't think – I can't think of none. You got to have separation from – you know, that's what the thing with Parcells. Like I said, he was always uh, – uh, hey, this guy's going to be good if I could just get him to play like this. He was so fatherly with them players that he had a lot of guys on the roster that was just kind of if guys. Like, you know, you was there. Uh, it was a couple of defensive linemen where he go, hey, if if we can flip the switch and make that dude get angry, he can play for us. Well, you can't have too many of them guys. Right. Otherwise, you end up with a team of those guys. Yep. yep. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. I can't remember if Andy Reid had it at the end in Philadelphia. Because sometimes what happens is you get it with your second contract. Yeah. Uh, you don't get it with your first yeah. one. Chip Kelly didn't work out, did he? <laughs> no, but I wouldn't I wouldn't have gave it to Chip Kelly. I mean yeah. sometimes you yeah. have to give it because you want the guy and the guy got leverage. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, like Chip Kelly new to the league, like you didn't need that responsibility. My only point was the game has changed so much in terms of free agency and, you know, practice squads and roster I mean, yeah. it, it, it's impossible really to do that job. And be the head coach and do it well. You just you don't have the time to do it. Yeah, uh, which is why these you know which is why you need a GM that you trust. And uh, you know, so it, it's a it's a very interesting uh, dilemma. Uh, be interesting to see where Belichick goes. Uh, Seventy one. Um, you know, I don't think that that's old in today's world. Uh, but you're still 71, so what's your energy level like? Uh, how do you relate to young guys in their 20s? Can you get them to play for you? Are you telling stories about Mary and Motley and Jim Brown, and they're looking at you like, who the hell are they? You know what I mean? Um, and that's real. So you have to figure out how to relate to, uh, to younger players. And um, I think he'll coach next year. I just don't know where uh, because I think he's not for everybody. And so um, you got to – because when Bill come, what is he doing, dog? He bringing the Patriot way with him, which is that whole shut the building down. You know, everybody, anybody we think is leaking, you know, they're going off to uh, Siberia. And so you, you have to accept that when you bring him. And uh, every ownership group doesn't want to deal with that. So it will be interesting to see where he goes. I will say this before we move back to Alabama for a minute. Before we have, uh, before we bring on uh, Clarence Hill Jr., is that uh, the two names associated with that job? And I wondered if they decided yesterday to make that move because Mike Vrabel just got fired, and he seems like the obvious fit for New England. Played there for a long time, would uh, would keep a lot of the uh, standards and stuff that uh, that New England had in place would stay with him because it would be what he's used to and what he knows with his own flair to it. And Gerard Mayo, former linebacker who's on the staff now, 
is uh, getting a lot of uh, link to the job. Yeah. And my only point would be, uh, if it were me and I were Bob Kraft, and you know that you're taking a quarterback with your first-round pick, I would not put a first-time head coach, Gerard Mayo, with a – First, with a rookie quarterback who's taken with the third or fourth pick in the draft, because to me that doesn't give your quarterback the best opportunity for success. Um, I would, I, you know, because I would say it'd be similar to Chicago in terms of you hired a first-time defense coach, and I just think with the game leaning so much for offense, and you drafting a quarterback to help turn your program around, you need an offensive mind running the show and running uh, running things. The uh, Mike Vrabel stuff is interesting because you go back to the to the GM. You know, Rand Carthon is the GM over there. Right. And uh, the funny thing about it was I remember when A.J. Brown got traded to the Eagles. Mike didn't want that. Mike wanted to pay A.J. Brown. Yep. And remember draft day when they go, A.J. Brown is traded to the Eagles. Mike Vrabel oh, he hit the wall. He How got up. Grease. Man, he was going crazy. Like, what y'all doing? So that's the whole thing, the whole disconnect. And Rand Carthon wasn't the GM then. But, no. But I'm saying that, you know, he was like, what are y'all doing? That's the best player we got. Pay him his money. Right. They tried to replace him with DeAndre Hopkins, and yeah. it didn't yeah. work out, you know. Yeah. Because the thing was, A.J. Brown with Derrick Henry, we good. However you want to stop us, we can attack you with an elite player the other way. And so, uh, you know, so that, I mean, the Tennessee ain't really been the same since then. Yep. Uh, you know, and then uh, real quickly about Alabama, uh, I, the names associated with that job have been uh, Steve Sarkeesian from Texas, Dan Lenning from uh, Oregon, and who's the other cat whose name I, I heard? It wasn't Dabo. It was somebody else. I'm going to see if I can look it up right quick. Man, Steve don't need to leave. Man, he can make his own legacy at Texas, man, but. I well, see, think. you know, it's uh, it's interesting. Now, somebody's and I was being the devil's advocate, which is a phrase I don't really like. Somebody was like, "Hey, he would be stupid to go to Alabama. Texas got more money. Texas, uh, you know, the expectations there are so high." And then uh, they got Archie Manning, and I was like, "All oh, that could be true, but let's not act like Alabama couldn't pay as much as it wanted to pay." To get him, money is not going to be the difference between whether he stayed at Texas or took an Alabama job. Number two, uh, somebody going to take the job and follow the legend. If you want to bet on yourself, you know you can bet on yourself because Steve Sarkeesian, I'm sure, considers himself one of the best coaches in America, um, and so he wouldn't be afraid to follow a legend because I'm sure he thinks. I can, you know, all the facilities, all this, all that, I could do it Texas. I mean, I could do it Alabama, what I've gotten started at Texas. What was, then, the, what was the promise? Three, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Up. I'm sorry. And the third one is with Arch Manning, number one, there's no guarantee that Arch Manning is who everybody believes that he is because he ain't, we ain't seen him play. Number two, Arch Manning can transfer. <laughs> so he's not stuck at Texas if he wants to play for Sarkeesian. And Alabama was one of the schools he contended up until the very end. So, um, now I don't think Sarkeesian's going, but I just don't think you can put everybody in the box and say, oh, it'd be stupid to leave. Um, you know, because it's a great job with a whole lot of pressure and expectations. Uh, so, what were you going to say? 
um, the, 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 the promise of Alabama was they could load up with talent because if you wait your turn, you're going to be an NFL you're going to be an NFL prospect. You could be a first-rounder. Right. And, and and your boy had the ear of uh, the NFL. It's funny that him and Belichick are out at the same time because they was buddies. Right, right. And uh, he would he would recommend a player, and Belichick would take him. Sometimes right. it works, sometimes it don't. But my thing is, if you if you Alabama, uh, the equalizer to all of this is the, the people keep talking about NIL, but it's really the transfer portal. That's the equalizing the talent right there when people can just get up and leave when they want to. And right. You, you see that through all college sports now, basketball, football, baseball, not so much baseball, but the major two major sports is basketball, football. You see a lot of teams, a lot of talent even and out. And I'm thinking, hey, if you got to pull back, I don't know if it's the money that you pay the coach. I think it's the money that's available to the players that's going to make the difference. The first thing in NIL was A&M had one of the best classes in the world, where it didn't work out for them, but it, they had a world class. When NIL came, A&M opened them coffers, and all the money came out, and Nick Saban was whining about that. You know, yeah. hey, we got to pay more money. That little $10,000 in the paper bag ain't working no more. No. You know, we got to get money, money. And he was, you know, he was saying, hey, we need to get money to compete with these players, and a lot of that stuff didn't happen for him. So what I'm saying is Alabama football was based on the promise that we're going to get you to the league if you wait your turn. I yeah. mean, they had some loaded positions. I mean, you can go down through – we ain't got time, but you can list all the players that was on the, on the team at the same time, all them receivers, all them running backs, all them linebackers. Guys go to Alabama and disappear. Now they can't. They ain't disappearing because they ain't waiting for their shot. They leaving, right? So I don't know, man. I don't know if the, the time of Nick Saban in Alabama might be done with all the rest of this stuff going yeah, on. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think they're still competitive, but I don't know that. Uh, we're just. Uh, it's just an interesting time, so we we'll have to see. The story's not been written yet. Very but, much uh, so. Let's, let's, uh, let's give my man Clarence D. Hill Jr. a call and see what's up with those Dallas Cowboys. Roger that. Hello. What's up, man? What's happening? Not much. Uh, this is Clarence E. Hill Jr. of the Fort Worth Star Telegram, brought to you each and every Friday by Smokey John's Barbecue. The E stands for what, dog? It stands for every time he come on, it's going to be on. How about that? <laughs> I like that. All right, hey, it's all good. <laughs> hey, man, uh, before we get started, we're not going to keep you too long today. I've been told you have commitments, so to be, to be uh, what do you call it, uh, not waste your time. Uh, so, uh, before we get started on the Cowboys and their coaching thing, what's your initial thoughts about Nick Saban and Bill Belichick being gone on the same day, basically? Well, and, and Pete Carroll, and I guess we leave Pete Carroll out of the equation, but uh, it, it's been a Now, we're going to get to Pete Carroll 20, in a minute. Yeah, it's been a crazy 24 hours, you know, um, you know, I, I think that Bill Belichick was expected. You know, it's been talk has been out there all season. I, I don't know if Nick Saban was expected because he sort of didn't act that way during the season or immediately after the championship game. But when you're 71, 72 years old, you know, that's certainly on the table. But, I mean, we're talking about two of the greatest, not just coaching 
uh, figures of our time, but of all time. You know, and, and, and Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, who who could easily be called the greatest coaches of college and pro football, and and, and without argument, you know, and and, and what a straight face. And you know, sometimes we you know we we bestow those crowns, you know, on recency bias, but it's right. not by recency bias. It's about you know what they've done and, and the numbers they put up and and the you know in the titles they've won. You know, it, it's a legitimate conversation for sure. Uh, one last name before we move on. A lot of people have linked Sarkeesian to being one of the people who would at least get a phone call. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, I, I think he would get a phone call. I think that from a money standpoint, uh, an opportunity standpoint, uh, Texas is a good shape to keep him. But, I mean, I think there are other guys that are out there, uh, you know, Oregon coach, the Washington coach, Dabo, um, the Florida State coach, they're, they're all on the list. It's just a matter of, of who uh, Alabama and Greg Byrne decides to go with. But certainly I think that Stark was a favorite son of, 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 of Saban and the guy that Saban had liked and, and was mentoring uh, to you know maybe possibly one day take over. We'll see what Stark wants to do. I know uh, just knowing his lifestyle, uh, knowing his wife's lifestyle, they prefer to be in Austin. All right. Uh, moving on to the Dallas Cowboys. What uh, what's your take on the mood out there at the uh, at the start of this week as they prepare for their first playoff game? You know, I, I think it's confident. You know, there's there's, there's you know there's, there's you know you know I've, I've talked to Dak and I've talked to Mike and and, and there's there's an air confidence you know that, that we haven't seen before. You know, they've certainly been in the playoffs before, but there's an and you know some maybe in the past was fake confidence, but it's an air confidence certainly. You know, you look away. That Dak is just a different guy, and you, you, you know, you don't really get not there all the time. His press conference, and certainly with his off the record stuff, he's just a different guy. You know, he's really confident. We talked to him a long time on Wednesday yes, about today. the difference um, between this year and last year, and between what he knows about the offense. He loves Kellen Moore, but the confidence he has in the offense, the receiving core. With some of the changes Bill, uh, not Bill, uh, Matt McCarthy's made, and you know, in, in his decision making, he throws when he's greedy, when he's confident. Uh, he just has has a different air of confidence. Same thing with Mike. You know, they 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 hope they they believe this year is different. They believe that you know that the, the experience of the past years is, is going to take hold this year. And, and so I I think there's a lot of confidence out there. Um, as we move to the game. Uh, how do you see the game matching up and what the Cowboys can try to exploit and what they got to stop uh, Green Bay from doing? Well, I mean, number one is stopping Green, Bay, stopping Green Bay's running game. I mean, you know, Aaron Jones has killed the Cowboys. He's had three straight 100-yard games. Uh, he's, he's killed, you know, this season he's killed the Cowboys rushing. You know, we know the weak link of the Cowboys has been their run defense. They got better stop for Certainly the return of Johnson Hankins helps. Uh, but first and foremost, they have to get a handle on this running game and then get after the quarterback who has been playing well, but he is fumble-prone, turnover-prone if they can get to him. You know, right. the way he holds the ball and everything else, they, they have to uh, stop the run then to get after the quarterback, a, a rookie, not a rookie quarterback, but a young quarterback in his first playoff game. Uh, they got the edge there offensively. I mean, I, I don't just know what the Packers can do to stop C.D. Lamb. And, and, and that and the Cowboys passing. They just, I mean, I don't know what anybody can do. I mean, they, they, right now, Dak and City are unstoppable, and and they just need to continue to do what they're doing in the passing game. 
Uh, well, let's uh, let's do this. Uh, Jerry, after the win last week, said a bunch of glowing things about Mike McCarthy, and then the last thing he said was, "Well, we'll see how it goes uh, game by game, essentially." Uh, and some people thought that was a big deal. Some people thought it wasn't a big deal. What's your take on what he said and where McCarthy's future stands? I mean, let's be honest. We, 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 we're not naive here. Let's put our big 12, big boy pants on here coming into the season. <laughs> no, I mean, coming into the season, we all felt that this was a make or break year. The Cowboys need to get something done in the playoffs. You know, we, we all felt that they would get to the playoffs. It was always, well, what are they going to do in the playoffs? That's going to be the story that tells uh, the Cowboys season and, and be the, you know, whether it's a legacy of Dak Prescott or a future Mike McCarthy will be determined by what they do in the playoffs because they disappointed in the playoffs each of the last two years. You know, not necessarily losing to San Francisco, but how they've lost to San Francisco. Certainly, you know, two years ago was at home, eleven o'clock run out. Uh, last year, you know, they was, you know, they, you know, just the meltdown in San Francisco. Even though the defense played okay, uh, and and so. It, it was always going to be decided what they do in the playoffs. And certainly Mike has had a great year. The Cowboys have a great year, 12-5 and five again. But the goal was never to go to 12-5 and five and get the playoffs. The goal was to win in the playoffs. And and that's how Mike will be judged. And and, 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 and Jerry said it. I mean, Jerry's not in the heat. Jerry's done this many times. First of all, Jerry's fired a two-time Super Bowl champion coach. So don't tell me, oh, he's 12-5. and five. Jerry's not going to get rid of what <laughs> this, this Jerry, we, are, are we forgetting? Uh the the, the 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 Jimmy Johnson thing, but but yeah, it, it's Mike has had a great year, but but Jerry is not naive. He was asked after the game about because a lot of reports out there about Mike's future. Uh, a lot of people linking Bill Belichick Cowboys and a lot of different things, you know, which they were predicting he would part ways. He certainly has parted ways with England since then. Uh, and Jerry said, "I love Mike. This record speaks for itself, but we'll see how it goes." And we'll see how it goes in the playoffs. We'll take it game by game. Was the answer to the question not that I love what he's done and and all that other stuff? The answer to the question was, you know, we'll see. We'll take each game as it goes. And 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 Jerry was, didn't want to be paying the corner. He went back to his radio show and he didn't clarify. And he didn't clarify anything. He, he basically again talked about how the job Mike has done, but basically and said Mike is under contract for another year. But you know that that doesn't mean anything. You know that he's under contract doesn't mean you can't walk away from him. And the, and the bottom line is this: we all know. And talking to Jerry and Mike, you know they won't discuss business after the season. But there's no way uh, you're going into the final year of contract as as a lame duck coach. You know a decision has to be made after the season, and how they do in the playoffs will determine and uh, impact that decision. Yeah. Now you raised the interesting point that I always like to ask: How come he couldn't go into the next year with one year left on his deal? Because you don't want to be a lame duck coach. You don't want those co- co- that, that 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 specter hanging over your head every game after every loss. Going to the training camp, you know, you know, this is your know, last year of your contract. You know, it gets a, it makes it a make or break year. Even though technically every year is a make or break year, yeah. you know, the, your contract status makes it a make or break year, and you just don't want that specter hanging over your head as a coach. You want some security, you know, with your players. You want players want you want the players to know that you're going to be here. That you know that you know that they need to trust what you say because you ain't going nowhere. You know that's just not the environment you want your coach to be working under. I hear you. Uh, I told you we'd get to this in a minute. Uh, Dan Quinn with uh, Pete Carroll. I guess the mutually parted ways is. Uh, I mean, essentially the Seahawks fired him because he wanted to be the job. He wanted to keep the job. 
but with Pete Carroll out in um, Seattle, it seems to me and everybody else like Dan Quinn's a perfect fit for them. Uh, one, you think that's true, and two, if he bounces, who do you see being a defensive coordinator? Well, well number one, there's little doubt that, that Dan Quinn more likely bounce after this year, right? He's already been requested by the Chargers, the Commanders, um, the Panthers, and now the Titans on yesterday. And he's going to be one of the hot coaches on this uh, coaching circuit, and that was before the Seahawks uh, made the decision uh, with, with Pete Carroll. And so it's just a natural fit. He was the, lead, he was the, the architect of the Legion of Boom. He won a, you know, was the defense coordinator of the Super Bowl teams. You know, if you're going to you move away from Pete, you know, you're going to bring have opportunity to bring someone who's worked with you guys, uh, bring a particle sort of home as a way fit Cam service. You know, he's been choosy about the jobs that he would take. Necessarily pulled himself out of running of Arizona and some other jobs last year uh, because he just, they just weren't good fits for him. Uh, but, you know, he, that's an ideal spot for him. Uh, so I, I do see, you know, Dan Quinn finally moving on with his dad or one of the other spots this year. Um, and, and, and the replacement, a lot of people have been talking to Al Harris, but people have just been overlooking Joe Witt Jr., who's been the passing game coordinator, who who's called the defense when when, Pete, when uh, Dan was out last year. You know, he's the guy. He's actually a guy who has worked with uh, – who worked with uh, Mike McCarthy in Green Bay. He's not just a Dan guy. He's also a Mike McCarthy guy. Uh, right. I, I would see that he would be the, the leader in the clubhouse, so to speak, if he doesn't go with Dan. Uh, to be his defense coordinator, but I, but I see one way or another, Joe Witt will be a defense coordinator uh, if Dan moves on, whether it's with Dan or with or that with the Cowboys. Yeah, I didn't really see. Uh, I respect the job that Al Harris has done, but I didn't really see him as a defense coordinator in part because most of the time you want your coordinator to work front to back as opposed to right. back to front, um, so that he understands the run fits and defensive and run game and all that stuff and how it pairs to the secondary. Um, in addition to the fact that Al, who's been terrific at what he does, uh, I forget, he said something about the way he coaches that made me think he was a better position coach than a, um, than a coordinator. But I think he's done a terrific job. But uh, they got to get that right because just like offense, man, if you, don't, if you get a guy who's not really married to the scheme and what you do, you got to start swapping bodies out and players out. And uh, that can retard your progress and retard your growth and set you back. And when you got a good team, I don't know that you want to take a step like that back. No, no, you, you don't. And, and, and again, you know, the, the first course you ask anybody, it becomes even the corner that you consider these corners. What you going to do with Michael Farson? <laughs> how you, right? How, how you handle Michael Parsons? You know, we know what Dan has done. Or, you know, what are you going to do? What's your vision for Michael Parsons? It, it starts there. No, it does because, uh, and really, you know, that's a really good point because not only does it matter your vision, we all, I think you can see Mike and go, you also got to get Mike on board with what you do because he don't mind telling you when he's upset and his body language and everything can, can change when, when he ain't feeling right. And uh, I don't think that's a negative or a positive, it's just what it is. And so you got to make sure that whoever you get is on board with him. And it's not that he's picking the guy, but that, you know, he can he can relate to what that guy is trying to do with him as they put the defense together. Uh, no doubt. You know, so that's huge. And, again, you know, it's funny that, you know, we, we have to talk about these things. And, you know, you're looking forward and look at these uh, down the road and what could happen if, you know, 
you know, obviously Dan Quinn up, and if you know, you know, they if Michael Parsons if they lost, and what 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 they gonna do with Mike McCarthy? But you know, do are we underplaying the game ahead? You know, you know, it's it's, it's a huge game. They're at home, but the Cowboys have done to, to get. You know, and we we talked about it last week to a certain extent, but what they've done, and, they, and I don't think any of us saw the. We thought the Eagles might lose. I don't think Eagles saw the Eagles clap no. like they did. But for what the Cowboys have done to put themselves, uh, after all the hand wringing about having to play the road, put themselves in position to have two road games before they get to the NFC Championship game. Uh, this is to me is their best opportunity to get to the Super Bowl since 1995. Now, we talked about this yesterday. It's better than 2007? Okay, I, let me say this. Don't get caught up in Steve No, Nate's no, stuff. it's not. And no, it's not. Because I think in 2007, they had, the, they had the best record, the best team in the league all yeah. season in the NFC. And I, I guess I meant since the, in the iteration of that, uh, in the iteration of, of, of. In the of, last eight years. This year. <clears throat> and I would say this, maybe not the best. This may be the, I put it this way though, I would say the league is more wide open to win a title. Now maybe not the best opportunity to get there, but the league is wide open to win a title this year because I don't think anybody saw them beating the Patriots or, or if they got there. I mean I think the Patriots are still the big kids on the block. There is no juggernaut out there. There's no you know I think the Ravens are playing well and they're playing great. Portland are playing great, but none of them have Super Bowls on their resume. Not 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 right now. You know and they they're not the big bad wolf as far as you know, the reigning champs and who, who got the Super Bowl experience, who, you know, and all of those stuff. So I think that the Super Bowl this year is wide open. It's been in a long time. So who's going to win a title? You know, Kansas City is taking a step back. Uh, you know, there's no Patriots. There's no Brady. There's, there's nothing like that out there in front of them. So uh, regardless of whether it's 2007, 2016, right now the Cowboys have a good opportunity to get there. Uh, yeah, they do, and uh, we'll leave you with this. Uh, so, uh, who you got this weekend? I mean, the, listen, the, the Cowboys are at home. They play well at home. They're dominant at home. Uh, you know, again, this is a, a good game, Packers team, but th- there's no A-Rod on this Packers team. There's going to be no third and 30, okay? You know, <laughs> and all that, that stuff like that. I, I just think that, you know, the, this is a young Packers team with a young quarterback here for the first time. Uh, all advantages are for the Cowboys. I think they take care of business at home. All right, my friend, we appreciate you. Uh, that's Clarence E. Hill Jr. of the Fort Worth Star Telegram. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right, Doc. And uh, he is brought to you each and every Friday by uh, Smokey John's Barbecue, 1820 West Mockingbird. And you know, Smokey John's Barbecue is uh, to live for. Now, we spend a lot of time talking about the Jam Session Bowl, as we should. Yes, someday soon, Big Joe and the Big Rig will sample the fine cuisine from Smokey John's Barbecue. This will happen. This is not just a, uh, you know, this is not just a stick, just something we talk about. But it's about finding the right day and the right time. Because uh, he got a lot going on, I got a lot going on. He lives a helicopter ride away, so we just got to get the schedules right. But I'm thinking, man... Because I'm in your part of town on Friday. But I know you got some things to do Friday. So we'll talk off air and see if there's a good time Friday to make it happen. Okay? Yeah. I mean, right. are you talking about meeting at Smokey John's or are you talking about no, bringing I'm t- the bowl? I'm talking about bringing the bowl, oh, man. Oh, well, you know. 
I mean, now, if you wanted me to smoke a Johns, we could do that. But uh, like I said, it's a helicopter ride away. And I'm going to be close to your part of town on Friday. So I, it may be easier for me to just roll through. What's like close? That. Uh, without telling all my business, I'm going to be in Arlington. Well, you talking about hair bumps and shit. You might well say you can be in Arlington. <laughs> 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 I'm not telling all my business. The whole doggone <laughs> fandom and the people that love us got to know about your hair bump. They need to know you in Arlington. You know, they might okay. want to see the hair bump up close. I don't know. Stop it, man. Stop it, man. Okay, I'm gonna stop. I thought I was good during the last segment. I ain't say nothing. I mean, you could have. No, I was just trying. I'm just trying to be good. But <laughs> be nice to the guests. Be nice to the guests. You know. Uh, well, that, that are in our house. You know. Um. You know, with Smokey John's Barbecue, as we figure out whether whether uh, Joe is available for Jam Session Bowl Friday delivery. Uh, the Jam Session Bowl, in case you've missed it or you're not sure what's up with it, it's delicious, man. It's love in your mouth. It's a bowl. And it's either got a mac and cheese base or it's got a mashed potato base. They're both spectacular, although I prefer the mashed potato base, I think. Uh, and then you get your choice out of two out of five smoked meats, all right? Uh, I go with the brisket and the sausage most of the time. And then, all that stuff you find on a loaded baked potato, all that stuff, you know, sour cream and butter and chives, bacon bits, cheese, all that stuff. They put that on there. And then depending on what you like, they either drizzle it with some sauce or they drench it with the barbecue sauce, and it is to live for. Easily enough for two folks. Uh, If you got a little shorty, three of y'all can eat off of it, no problem. Uh, but it is fantastic. It's love in your mouth, man. Uh, it's it's great. I can't say enough good things about the Jam Session Bowl because it's been a minute since I had one. Uh, but if you need it a little more, if you need some Smoky Johns in your life a little quicker than that, you can go on the website, you can click on the market, and uh, right there, click on the market, you can order the sauce or you can order the rub. They got this new 12-ounce bottle of the rub. You can be at the crib in a couple of days. Or... Check this out. You can go to HEBs. It's all over Dallas. It's in Burleson. It's in McKinney. It's in Frisco. You can get the rub there. Fantastic. Uh, so there's no reason not to have Smokey John's in your life. Go to the website, check it out, and order it, or swing by the storefront, 1820 West Mockingbird. Get some samples, get some uh, Smokey Joe's in your life. You can thank me later when you do that. Uh, dude, let's take a quick trip around the block and talk about a few. Are you familiar, because this all kind of blew up yesterday. Are you familiar with the Jason Whitlock, Stephen A. Smith feud? Yeah, I don't really, I don't really dig either one of those guys, and I really can't stand Jason Whitlock. Okay, this is a good point, because you're not in the media. How come you don't dig either one of those guys? Um, a lot of times when Stephen A. talking about anything but basketball, he don't know what the hell he's talking about. He's generalizing it. Bloviating and yelling and nah, 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 nah. he don't really know what he's talking about when it comes to sports. And so many people think that he know what he's talking about when it comes to to uh, uh, football. To right. football, yeah, basketball. It's kind of like him and Nick Wright start talking about football. I go, okay, whatever. They really don't know. They just talking. Um, Jason Whitlock, uh, he don't like black people. Period. He and don't. Why you say that? He just. He just. He always got something negative to say. 
He always jumping somebody. I mean, look at the guys that he have on his panel. He got Warren Sapp, Warren Sapp and Marshall Falk, two guys that have been kicked around and got bad reputations on for things they did off air when they was on the air. Right. You know, he got to go to that because ain't nobody got no respect for him. Plus, he talked trash about LeBron. He's always dogging somebody black. He's always right. doing that. And it's right. like, you know, uh, when he was saying LeBron couldn't suffer racism because he was a millionaire. Racism hit everybody. It do yeah. or it don't. You know, it doesn't matter. Um, I used to be a... I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying. I, I liked his articles when he wrote for Kansas City. But the more yeah. he get on TV, the more, you know, more of a jackass that he is. You just can't... You just like you can't be racist... You know, racism come in all shapes and colors. There's not no such thing as reverse racism. Racism is racism. Right. And you just can't. I ain't accepting that shit from nobody, black, white, or brown. You understand what I'm saying? So right. I ain't accepting it from him. You know, um, I can't stand it. Don't get me started about that fool. <laughs> Jason Whitlock used to be one of my favorite columnists when he was young. Mm-hmm. Uh, terrific writer, strong mm-hmm. opinions, everything you want in the columnist. And then, much like Joe said, he's he slowly changed and shifted, and then he kind of became this pompous dude. Uh, and then, you know, the takedowns of black folks and black reporters and all this other stuff. And then he kind of became a contrarian in a lot of ways. Uh, and, and I understand what he was doing, uh, because it happens to a lot of people. And I'm, I say this quite a bit, man. You can always say what you're not going to do, but you never really know until the moment of truth. So you could say, hey, I could say, hey, if somebody offered me seven digits, I would never change. I'd be the same truth-telling columnist and reporter you guys have known for the last 28, 30 years. Or I could get the money, and y'all could look back five years later and say, what the hell happened to JJT? They're the biggest fool on TV or the biggest fool in radio or podcast or whatever. Because you can never say what you won't do until the moment of truth. You think you won't change and all of this, and maybe you do and maybe you don't, but you just don't know until that moment arrives. Um, and so for him, he changed. Um, I like Stephen A., uh, but Stephen A. has changed. And Stephen A. has really changed the game and created all these other lower-level you know, Stephen A. wannabes, which is the louder you talk, the more you get paid. Yeah, And Stephen A. figured out, and, and this is no shade of him, he figured out that, oh, if I talk at a level five, I make this much money. I wonder what would happen if I talked to six, at a six. Oh, they gave me raised, and more people watched. I wonder what would happen if I talked at a seven. And they gave me another raise, and more people watched. I wonder if I skipped eight and just went to nine, and so on and so forth. And now he make eight digits a year, He's, you know, it's all good. Uh, but they're feuding because that's kind of like the backdrop. But they're feuding because Stephen A. wrote his uh, wrote a memoir about a year ago, and the paper book edition has come out this week, I believe. And Jason went through the paperback edition and shredded it, and then he called Stephen A. various degrees of uh, being, you know, a puppet for for the ESP, ESPN, and Disney and mainstream media. And obviously, Stephen uh, Stephen A. did not take kindly to that. And uh, called, you know, fired back on him and called him, amongst other things, a. Uh, a he called uh, him a fat bastard. I was trying to figure, <laughs> I was trying to figure out if there was a delicate way no, to say no it. No delicate way. <laughs> and there yeah. wasn't. 
He, he, he hey, he went off on his show, on his own podcast. He went off. I mean, he he just going off. I mean, the only thing he, I don't like about Stephen A. is he kind of equivocated a little bit because he was talking about football, and then Tyreek Hill got on him. He goes, "Well, I, I don't know football like you know football." Yeah, but you've been talking like you know that stuff. Right? You've been talking uh, like that. You've been acting like. You the voice. When you talk about the Cowboys and talk about quarterbacks, eh, he don't know what the hell he's talking uh, about. You know, I've I've had I haven't had a feud like that. Um, I had a strong dislike for a reporter um, in the local market, and my like my dislike for him. And most of y'all know who I'm talking about. I know who you're talking about. And the reason I'm not going to mention his name is for this reason, and this reason only. I ain't giving him no shine. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I'm not going to lie. I, I mean, everybody who knows me, and when I describe him, will know who I'm talking about. But I'm not going to give him the. I'm not going to give him any shine or any extra attention, yep. or make you go to his website or his Twitter and say, "Oh, let me see what he's talking about." Since Taylor said he's this yeah. or that, I ain't giving him nothing. But the reason I didn't like this guy, and still don't like him, is this. And, and I heard this with my own ears. So this is not like secondhand or thirdhand or somebody told me some or a rumor. Because uh, he had a, at a certain point in his career, he had a daily radio show. And, I ha- and, and here's what I'm getting at. I, too, have had a daily radio show on ESPN for about four years. Uh, and it was ranked in the, it was, uh, I think we were number 11 when ESPN got out of the radio business. So it was a successful daily radio show. All right. Well, dog, I was covering the Cowboys at this at the time that he had his show, and his show was on somewhere around lunchtime, and so I would hear it driving to, to a Valley Ranch back in the day. And the reason I I grew to despise this guy is he would take my story, and I'm, I wasn't the only person he did this to, but he would take my story, read pieces of my story on his radio show, and then talk about why it why it was wrong. Or why he disagreed with this or disagreed with that. Or why this couldn't possibly be true. And I would just be like, dog, why are you using my content that I created to drive your radio show? Why don't you come up with your own content? Because that's what real 12-letter cuss words do. That's what I did. When I had a radio show, I didn't read other people's stories about the Cowboys and say, Hey, uh, David Moore wrote this, and I disagree wholeheartedly because of A, B, and C. No, nah, dog, you know what I did? I took my ass out to, to Valley Ranch and took my ass out to the star and said, hey, this is what I found out. How do you think Whispers from the Star came about? Because I was out there doing my thing. Might I add that David Moore is real cool. Yeah. Yeah, I met him a couple times. And then who created some segment on a podcast or something called Whispers from the Star? Like, who does that? Besides Steve Harvey stealing jokes, that's what this fool did. Yeah. Which, which and, you said the other day, four plays is my favorite. It ain't. I like it, but it's second to Whispers from the Star. Oh, and Whispers from the Star is good, and next year we'll have, a, we'll have it a lot more consistently because Cowboys have changed their schedule a little bit, and it's hard yeah. to figure out how to get what I need to get this to year, get it yeah, done. Yeah. Uh, but now I got a good idea how to do it, and so uh, it'll be back full-fledged. Uh, next year, but that's why this guy uh, just pissed me off to no end. Did man. you ever confront him? Uh, no, nah, because again, you've known me longer. That must have been old, Jock. 
Cause, cause, well, cause two twenty five six times, <laughs> two, six times popping two twenty five jock fighting the usher at my mama funeral jock would have went up in there and said, "Hey man, what's your problem, dog? You need no, me you, need me to snatch a hole in uh, your ass? What's going on?" <laughs> That's what you would have done. That's what this jock would have done, but it must have been old jock. I hate that. No, the problem is you got to always understand, and this is real talk for a moment, man. Um, there are very few black men in my position at that particular time. Mm-hmm. And you know me, and you know my temper. Most of y'all don't know this because I, I come off as laid back. But I can go zero to 60 in two or three seconds. Um a few people have seen it. Uh, not many, but a few people have seen it. And I was always afraid that if I did that, I could escalate because at that point in my life, I, I didn't really control my emotions the way I control them now. And I might have swung and tried to swung, swing on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I say it's uh, always the ass that you don't kick. Yeah. Everybody talking about them. kicking somebody's ass. It's, it's the times that you control yourself. Now, now let me tell you, you know, all something. make a difference. This is real talk, man. This is real talk. And you can go back and look it up if you choose to. And this was the one that just set me off. I went, on a, I went and wrote a story about the Cowboys being sick and tired and fed up with Dez Bryant. And they created this set of rules that he had to follow uh, for him to be on the team. And he got on the – and I wrote – that was a front-page story for the morning news – and he got on the uh, he got on the air and said, "This is not true. This is wrong. This is false. These don't exist." And while he's saying that, what am I doing, dog? I'm looking at the list. Did you hear what I said, dog? Of course, I heard you said. I'm not gonna ever hear it this decibel again. <laughs> I didn't say. I called somebody and said, "Hey, I want to double check. I got the list right." I said, "I am looking." At the fucking list. I'm sorry. I did a good job of not cussing for a couple of days. I'm looking at the list while this fool is talking about the list don't exist. Now, that's the one day I almost did what you said. I'm talking about what I should have done. But why didn't I do that? Because if I talk too much about it, what do I do? I out my source on that. Yeah. And I couldn't do that because clearly only a very small handful of people had the list and so it wouldn't have been hard for them to figure out at that particular time where it came from but I was looking at the list because I had taken a picture of it and put it in my phone for future reference if I needed it Right. and so when he up there talking about uh, well this doesn't exist these are, these are made up I, man, I, I can't tell you how close I came to giving him that f- like, instead of punching somebody, you just want to smack them because that's more humiliating. That's what I wanted to do, bitch slapping. But like I said, uh, I was much better at, at managing my emotions at that particular time. So I took him to that room you talk about, and dog, I wore his ass out of there. Really? Really? You ain't, <laughs> bro, you, ain't, you, ain't, you ain't got no little room, dog. Stop playing. Stop playing. <laughs> you wish but, you had a little room. You ain't got no little room. Nah, normally I just I don't have room, so I just normally do it. But uh, but anyway, you that's norm- uh, you, oh, you normally just smack people. <laughs> nah, that's I take them to my size room. It might not be oh, as big as yours, goodness. but I, I, ch- I, I work it out, man, so that I don't do what I want to do. That's what I'm saying. 
uh, because yeah. it's unproductive to do that in society. That those, that. those things get you in trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, matter of fact, one of the reasons I stopped fighting people was because uh, I used to fight at the, at the drop of a hat. Uh, is because I got sent to uh, ISS in the eighth grade, and it was one of the worst experiences of my life. It's memorable. I can tell you blow by blow what happened that day. And uh, I remember I came home. Matter of fact, we'll talk about that next week. I came home and I told, I called my mom at work. We are so far away from Stephen A. and no, Jason this, Whitlock. You know, no, I, well, I only told y'all about that feud, so I can tell you about my feud. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, and I called my mom and I said, "Hey, I'm not going back to ISS tomorrow. So do what you're gonna do, but I'm not going back." <laughs> I said it just like that. And uh, she came home and said, well, what are you talking about? You're not going to go back. You're going. I said, no, I'm not. I said, they did this, 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 and this. She said, oh, okay, I can see why you're not going back. She said, all right, well, you're going to spend tomorrow wrecking all the leaves. Now, so for some of y'all, that might not be a big deal, but we had 13 pecan trees in my backyard growing up in, on, on Winchine Drive. And uh, there was a backyard full of leaves. And so I spent about three or four hours raking leaves and putting them in the bag on the next day and doing some other stuff. But uh, I had vowed not to go back to uh, ISS. Did you ever go to ISS? No. I went to ASS as in Wonder K whooping your ass. <laughs> <That's> what, <laughs> Wonder K whooping your ass. <laughs> no, sir. Uh, no, sir. Whatever, whatever punishment they had for me at school, Right, didn't match nothing. I would get at home. My kids used to threaten. Parents used to threaten their kids with my mama. So, <laughs> nah, nah, I'm good. I'm, 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 I'm Big Joe in the big rig, standing here, proud and tall and loud and talking shit because I was raised that way. So it's all good. Nah, I'm, I hate, but uh, yeah, that's that's really the only feud I've ever had. With another media person. I had a feud with Roy Williams for a while. Uh, obviously, me and Dez had a feud for a while. Me and Dez are fine now. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was probably the one dude who could really talk to Dez when he first got to the league because I had done some pieces on him. Uh, and, and I got to know him pretty well when he was at Oklahoma State. Uh, so we had a really good relationship. Then it went south for a minute. Uh, and then, uh, to the best of my knowledge, it's good now. Uh, same with Roy Williams. Uh, it was good, then it went south for a minute, and then it, it went back. But let me just tell y'all something. Real talk. If you're a real beat reporter, a real one, which means you write the truth, uh, and the truth can be good some games, some seasons. Truth can be bad some games, some seasons. But you write the truth because you talk to coaches, you talk to the front office, you talk to players. And what you write is the truth, not your truth, not the perceived truth, but the truth. Then at some point, somebody going to be mad at you because sometimes they don't want to read about that because they're having a bad year or a bad season or a bad game. Um, And you have to stand your ground if you're going to be real. And uh, that's not always easy, but that's what you got to do. But players know the truth, even when they don't like it. So they can be mad as hell at you. But they can respect you at the same time. And when it blows over and cooler heads have prevailed, they can come back and your relationship can be fine because ultimately what you was writing was the truth. Yeah, um, the beat the beat writer and the, the I seen you do both, the beat writer and the columnist. Uh the the beat writer is I'm not 
I'm not even. I'm reading that. That's more me gathering information from you. Yeah. The columnist is more like, yeah, it's a good article, but I ain't agree with that. Right. See what I'm saying? It's just because yeah, columnist me, is your opinion. That's your opinion. Yeah. But it should be your. This again, it should be your opinion based off of conversations you've had. Right. Not right. just I pulled this opinion out my out my ass. And yeah. This is just what I think. Yeah. If I had an opinion about Des Bryant back when I was writing columns like that, it's because I talked, real talk now, back in those days, it's because I talked to Jerry, because I talked to Steven, because I talked to who was, ever was coaching receivers at that point, because I talked to, uh, you know, maybe who was being the quarterback at that point. Probably not so much Romo. Uh, but, uh, you know, you just talk to a lot of people, and that helps shape your opinion. Then you come out and write your opinion. Um, you know, so it's an informed opinion. There are informed opinions and uninformed opinions, and all of them are valid. It's just that some are informed and some are uninformed, yeah. and you should know what what the yeah. difference is between the two. Yeah, I can tell. I've been around y'all long enough to know when, hey, this guy, this guy talked to somebody to form his opinion, or it just seemed like a personal attack from the reporter. No, nah, you know? you're right. Because a lot of times I would go up to, uh, especially when I when I'm writing something, I just say. Hey, let me give you my theory. They used, I, I, got to, I used to ask that question so much, people used to start laughing. I said, here's my theory. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. What you think? And they would say, oh, you're on the right park, but here's really what the problem is. Or here's really why this dude is having success. And then what I used to do is I would take that opinion that I heard from this person, and then I'd go over to somebody, say, somebody else and go, hey, let me tell you what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that... This is happening because of A, B, and C. And if it matched what that first person told me, I'd be like, okay, that's probably what it is. Then I would go to another person. Hey, let me tell you my thought. I think this is happening because of A, B, and C. What you think? And when all three of them match, I could, I'd be like, okay, this is all good. This is what the deal is. And then here's my opinion about it. Uh, but that's why being a columnist is about work. It's not about just sitting around saying, oh, this is what I think today. Um, your columnist has to be your best reporter, usually one of your best writers. And when you put the reporting with the writing with the opinion, that's when you end up with a really good columnist. Now, that's my uh, speech on journalism today. Well, the, started- one, the one thing I remember was, uh, excuse me, the one thing I remember was uh, when we didn't know where the parcels was coming. You remember how you found out? You talked to Pat Summerall and you said, hey, I heard they paying Bill, you know, for Four years, yeah. thirty-four million. Pat said, "No, no, no. It's really five years, this many million. And you said, "Oh, all right, thank you, Pat. See you later." <laughs> that was how that. That was. I remember how you was. You were saying how that came about. See, I remember. I remember everything. I was. I'm, I'm glad you did. And, and Pat, I'm, I'm sure at this point he don't mind being outed as a source. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I thought. But no. That, that's that's how the stories went down. Uh, because people tell you without telling you when they don't know. And it's, that's why information is valuable. Uh, I, w- I would have been a great poker player back in the day because uh, I could bluff with the best of them. Uh, but uh, that's, uh, that's uh, a quick trip around the block. Um, <laughs> let's move on real quick to this Cowboys-Packers game, man. Um, how do you see the game going? I think the Cowboys got to do what the formula that you always talk about is they got to get ahead of the Packers. They got to make the Packers one-dimensional because, like we talked about Jones, the running back, 
And A.J. Dillon, too. The Packers, you know, the Packers could pull that Cardinal stuff on them. I hate to speak on it, but they can be like, all right, we can't do nothing else but run, so that's all we're going to do is run. Right, right. The only way you get them out of that is if you get ahead. The offense got to start out on fire. We got to get ahead of them guys and make them not want to, you know, be able to pound the ball. Right. So um, the Packers ended up the season winning six of their last eight. They beat the Chargers 23-20. They beat Detroit 29-22. They beat Kansas City 27-19. Then they lost to the Giants 24-22. They lost to the Bucks 34-20. Finished up 33-30 over Carolina, 33-10 over the Vikings, 17-9 over the Bears. So that is what it is. But uh, Jordan Love, obviously, is the guy. 32 touchdowns, 11 picks, uh, 7.2 yards per attempt, um, 96 passer rating, having a terrific year. They spread the ball around, man. But I'm like you. Aaron Jones um, had 142 carries, 656 yards. Uh, Dylan had 178 for 613. Uh, so they can, you know, they can mix it up a little bit. But Aaron Jones is the guy. He's a guy you got to control. And I think since he got back from that hamstring, I think he has more yards rushing uh, than anybody else. And um, it's imperative. And I, I was talking to a couple guys yesterday on defense about what they have to do. And each one of them said exactly what you said, which is uh, we have to, uh, we got to stop the run. Aaron Jones, last three games, 21 for 127 against Carolina, 20 for 120 against Minnesota, 22 for 111 against uh, Chicago. And uh, so I, I was asking this one guy, I said, they got an eye candy running game or they got a basic running game? Basically the difference between San Francisco and Detroit. And he told me there's not a lot of eye candy in there, but they're really good at what they do schematically. And uh, if you're not on it, they can, they can gas you with it. And so he said, just what you said, Doug, he was like, we got to come out flying around, man, and stop that run. Because if we let them be one-dimensional, it's just going to be a long day. It's going to be a hard day if we let them get the run game and the pass game going. Uh, Aaron Jones had hurt us in the past, and so we got to be on his ass. <laughs> That's what he told me. I said, I feel you on that, Doug. Um, so I think, uh, I think we've seen when Dallas shows up with a concerted effort to stop the run because they know, aside from San Francisco, okay, because they know that that's the key to the game, uh, especially with Jonathan Hankins back. I think they'll play well. And um, as, as we discussed, man, this is a game where you got to start fast and see if you can put them in that one-dimensional one category. And then let's see what the young fella does when, uh, when pressure's on him and he has to perform at a, uh, at a high level. Uh, because, again, man, this is his first playoff game. And so, to me, um, I use this example quite a bit. The beauty of Troy Aikman, to me, was you would have to – San Francisco is the only game you ever remember him starting slow in the playoffs. He usually started fast, played well right out the box. Can flip that with, and I'm going old school now, I remember Brett Favre usually playing very poorly in the first quarter, yes. having to settle down. Yes. And once he settled down, yes. he finna bust your ass. He finna throw three picks in the first <laughs> half. He gonna, he gonna throw three picks in the first half. He gonna throw yeah. five touchdowns in the second half. 
Exactly. And if you can, if you Brett was Brett was notorious for that. And if, if you can survive that 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 second half onslaught, it's all good. There but man, go. he was he was incredible like that. And so my point of that is, Green Bay has outscored its opponents 78-65 in the first quarter. They've been outscored 104-91 in the second quarter. Now compare that, you know, I mean, that's basically, you know, they're basically going even with their opponents. Compare that with your Cowboys who have outscored their opponents 129-56 in the first quarter. Cowboys notoriously start fast. Uh, Cowboys have outscored their opponents 167-116 in the second quarter. Cowboys start fast, especially at the crib. There's no reason for them not to get off to a fast start this game and really put that pressure on um, on uh, Green Bay to uh, to hang tight and try to stay in the game. And if they could do that, I think uh, they have a great chance to go ahead, dictate the game, and uh, win it. And don't forget, man, Cowboys at home this year have been special. Uh, Thirty to ten over the Jets, thirty-eight to three over uh, New England, forty-three um, twenty over the Rams, forty-nine seventeen over the Giants, forty-five ten over the Commanders, forty-one thirty-five over Seattle, thirty-three uh, thirteen over the Eagles, uh, Detroit twenty to nineteen, dog. They've been kicking ass, taking names at the crib. Uh, it's the playoffs. Everybody's good. I don't expect them to win by 30 or 20. No, they don't. But I do, I do expect them to win. I don't expect them to, to be sweating it at the end. I think they win this game. Uh, the, the score that's sticking in my head is uh, 34-20. That's what I got the Cowboys winning. Um, I think it'll be a very good performance for them. Uh, they had problem in the divisional round. They had really no problems in the, in the wild card round. Um, and so I think uh, your Cowboys roll 34-20, uh, kind of like my X factor. Um, the guy I really like, man, is Donovan Wilson. I think he's a playmaker. I've been talking about him rounding in the form for about four or five weeks. Mm-hmm. He had a pick last week uh, against the Lions. He played pretty good. Uh, I think he had a forced fumble or made a really big tackle for a tackle for loss at a key juncture. Um, he's a playmaker, man. Playoffs are built for playmakers. Let's see if he can get some this weekend. And if he does, I think Cowboys roll. Yeah, he's a thumper, and uh, that, that that leg injury is getting better. And that's what you're talking about the last five or six yeah. weeks. Yeah, he's yeah. been he's been, he been around the ball. Uh, this is definitely a matchup problem for the Cowboys. They get past Green Bay, I think they got a chance to do the whole, get the whole thing because Green Bay, uh, like I said, they they not gonna give up on the run. You got to make them give up on the run. So right. So it's definitely going to be a matchup problem for them because they, they got to have that running game for Jordan Love to get, you know, to do what he needs to do because Green Bay got got the kind of receivers that can get behind you, but it's got to all work off the play action. Uh, you raise a good point because uh, one of the other guys I was talking to said, don't sleep on Green Bay's speed. Mm-hmm. He says, you don't know none of their receivers, but they can all run. Number nine, and, Watson. And, uh, yeah, Christian Watson. They go over the top. He said, so we got to be real careful about that. Make sure we read our keys and uh, we don't give them the big plays. Uh, make them drive. You got to uh, almost be able to defend them with a light box with six in the box. You yes, almost got to be able to do that because them guys can get deep. 
And Jordan Love got a strong, he got a strong arm, you and, know. Uh, so you know, and all the things you said are true, which is why it's imperative to me that they start fast. Now you can say that about yep. every game, but it means yep. more in some games than it does in others. This is one to me where you really, especially uh, given the youth of their team, you just want to show, hey, playoffs is a different level. Look at this, boom, 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 and you get a second round knockout. Um, you know, I think that's what you're looking for. And so uh, I, th- I think the Cowboys do it. Um, I think they're a really good team. Uh, they've been blessed with an opportunity to get potentially two games at the crib. I think that they understand what a gift that is because nobody saw the collapse that Philadelphia was going to have. And uh, I think they take full advantage of it, uh, at least this week. And then we'll see what happens uh, with next week. But the uh, Cowboys, I got them winning big, 34-20. I think that's what I said. Uh, you know, and then we'll see. Uh, you got any last comments? No, I just think it's going to be a good game. I, I, I was sitting here thinking about how much of a weapon uh, Brandon Aubrey is because in games like this, you got to put something on the board every yeah. drive. It just reminds me of, the, I don't remember the Dolphins kicker, but we slowed the Dolphins down. As soon as they crossed the 50, it was like, <laughs> Here that boy come with them old pesky ass field goals, you know. Yep. And when you got two, we got one, okay. But when you got four, I mean, that's the difference. Yeah. And so they, you know, the, the everything is leading to the Cowboys doing well. I just, uh, I was just for some reason, I was just thinking about Brandon Aubrey off the uh, top. I, th- yeah. I think that's a good point. I think that what should make you feel good is, and don't forget this, man. Cowboys. Um, I think most people say Miami's got one of the most explosive offenses in the league. Mm-hmm. Everybody's worried about Miami's offense. Miami won the game. They scored one touchdown, though. Yep. They scored one touchdown. Tyreek did not go crazy. They kept him in check. He's Tyreek Hill. He's going to make some plays. Mm-hmm. He caught nine for 99, 14 targets. One catch of 20 yards was his long. They kept him in control. So what I'm saying is, if you can keep Miami's offense in control in Miami, as good as Green Bay is, you should be able to contain them enough to go in and win the game Sunday yeah. in Dallas. Well, that's what I'm saying. If they can, we, we, we saying the same thing over and over, but if they can just jump on top of the running game, I, I fear teams that the run game is, they, is, one, is part of their bread and butter. You know, right. I fear that because – they ain't going to give up because they're going to keep, you know, doing what they do. But what I was saying about the Miami game and about Brandon Arbery, you won't – you'd be like saying, hey, can we get a punt, please? No, this fool kicking the ball from 61, <laughs> 59. Yeah. We stopping y'all, but y'all still getting points. And every time uh, the Cowboys – every time they cross the 50, I'm going, oh, we in there. Yeah. Um, especially at AT&T Stadium where the conditions are perfect. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So – Yes, I think it's just it's just him being an important weapon once you get to the playoffs. I mean, I know other fans are going hell. Okay, we at the forty. As soon as we within fifty, you know, as soon as we within fifty, fifty five. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, we finna put some points up if they don't screw it up. But all right. that's all I had though. All right, so uh, we both got the Cowboys winning. We'll check back Sunday see if our predictions are true. Uh, remember, you can always follow me on Twitter. At JJT Journalist, I am Jean-Jacques Taylor. We always appreciate our sponsors, Greening Law. Can't do this without them. Smokey John's Barbecue. The book, Coach Prime, 
Deion Sanders and the Making of Men. You can find it wherever you find uh, your books. Uh, BarnesandNoble.com, Walmart.com, Amazon.com. You want an autographed copy? You can email, you can send it to me, and I'll get it back to you. Um, all of that's on the table. Uh, until we chat again, for Big Join the Big Rig, you guys be blessed.